Hello and welcome once again to I Am The Night, the Batman the Animated Series podcast as brought to you by the DC Comics News Network. With me as always is Adam Ray. Good evening. Good evening to all of you. It's great to be back talking about more Batman. More Batman and more Joker. It's a pleasant surprise to see the biggest villain that Batman has, the biggest villain in all of DC, I, I would say, back for a second helping here in episode four of Batman the Animated Series. We get the irreplaceable performance of Mark Hamill uh, dominating our screens and giving Batman a real, a real what for here in this episode. Yep. Real what for is a great way of putting it because slightly different take on Joker. I mean, I remember being shocked as a man in his early 20s, actually close to the age you are now, son, when I found out that the new Joker was Mark Hamill because it's a few episodes in before I actually realised. I thought, this, whoever this Joker is is great. And then, obviously, I didn't pay a lot of attention. I'd watch the episodes and then run off to work or do whatever I was doing back then. And then I realised it was Mark Hamill because, obviously, this, this is before massive internet and social media and everything else. And I thought, hang on, this is Luke Skywalker? What are you talking about? And he's made the role his own. He's still my all-time favourite Joker, just as Mr. Conroy's my favourite Batman. But did you feel a big shift again in tone from this episode to his debut in, in Christmas with the Joker? The overall tone in Christmas with the Joker was very different to episodes one and three so far. Yeah. Maybe it's the even numbers... Maybe that's what we were expecting. Even even numbers are slightly lighter. I don't. I don't think that's a thing. That's probably not going to be a thing. But there is more of a sense that this is more of an adventure, mm. as you'd expect. We're following Batman going through traps and tribulations and near death experiences, all in an effort to try and take down the Joker, as we got in Christmas with the Joker. Uh, we're getting this on a city wide scale. We're seeing. Both here and in Christopher the Joker, we're seeing the Joker as this great, chaotic force for destruction. He took people by hostage and blew up bridges and commandeered the observatory in Christmas. We see him gas attack the entire city to a much more diluted dosage we would expect. The Joker's laughing gas is usually deadly, but we obviously can't show garish, distorted smiles on people in... Uh, family-ish friendly show but still of that scale shows just how big of a threat the Joker is but we don't get the psychological horror that we got in the previous episodes we don't get the doubts or the fear or the garish mutations we're seeing Batman put, put through his paces and being heroic in this episode I think as well that this take on the Joker gas is actually in a way more frightening I think the dilution and making people laughing and so carefree that their own lives don't even matter to them that the security uh, truck driver literally just opening his door and hanging from the cab of his vehicle uh, and luckily catching on the bridge as it plunges into the Gotham River and Alfred wrecking Wayne Manor and that priceless being vase master Bruce the one that really freaked you out was the <laughs> was the woman who let her pram yeah the road like what I mean this is actually showing the thing that will make you laugh to death and cause your face to crease up into a smile is grotesque but this is a little bit more frightening because it's just 
you letting go and being so lackadaisical and carefree that nothing matters to you um even the stuff that really in clearly means a great deal to you like your own child in a pram or a priceless being vase in the home you've curated and looked after after your, your whole adult life so it was actually a little bit creepy for me this this version of the joker and like you say mark hamill's nuances he went from maniacal but still quite funny crazy clown in his first appearance but this joker's darker this is more bob kane jerry robinson bill finger early 1940s face of a clown but soul of a demon kind of joke and i loved it there is something a lot scarier about this joker there's i think that's the truest interpretation of him just to see something evil and twisted and bent on destruction and chaos behind a plain skin tone and a smiling face is honestly quite scary that's why i think people don't find clowns funny anymore i don't think they ever really were funny was that a thing I don't, I don't really oh, know. When I was a kid, yeah, clowns were great. I used to go to the circus a lot in Spain with my grandparents and the clowns were literally funny. They told jokes, they fell over, they made funny gaseous noises and, and they were f- figures of fun. But there was always that one clown, the one that didn't have the red nose and the big smile, which was just the plain face and the straight black eyebrow and the more ominous clown who was like the leader of the clowns and he was always a little bit scary. And I think... That over the years, and uh, Stephen King has a lot to answer for. Yes, he does. Uh, for this, uh, as as do the the terrifying uh, enigma that is the forest clowns that uh, fellow DC Comics News podcaster and writer Kelly Gaines told me about, which scared the living bejesus out of me. Apparently, that that was a whole um, viral marketing thing for the new it movie where people were dressing around as clowns and walking around forests and walking out and scaring. Yeah. Oh, your that's, your that's, face. That's ter- is, that yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. Yeah. That, that's a thing. And, um, that's one of the, the few things that actually, um, scares the Jesus out of me. So I don't know if, um, yeah, Stephen King's got a lot to do with it, but I also think that the Joker and his modern portrayal, which is actually, not that modern it's going back like i said to the bob kane jerry robinson bill finger early joker he who was just terrifying who literally meticulously planned murders to happen on the stroke of, of, of when a clock hits a certain time of day without him even being there and it was touched a little bit on commissioner Loeb in um the Dark Knight movie, drinking the whiskey that was poisoned and sent to him. Like, he had that planned. He advertised it in the paper that the commissioner was going to die. That was the original Joker. He said, like you said brilliantly, he looks like a clown, but he's anything but funny. And I felt that a lot more in this episode from from Mark Hamill's performance and the way it was written. You can definitely see that because he went with the intention of causing chaos and causing trouble. Sure, he didn't have the insidious motives that um, certain early portrayals of the Joker and certain movie portrayals of the Joker do, but we do see him going with a cause and no regard for the people of Gotham. None. They went about in their crazy stupors, ready to 
destroy that which matters the most, risk their own lives and the lives of others, they all because he wanted to go looting some shops and some uh, armoured trucks and to watch the world burn, to quote. (laughs) And and what do you think of that vintage Joker turning to the camera and saying, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. That is one of the few solid memories I have of the show, which is why I'm so glad that I get the chance to watch it all again in bulk and talk about it at length. That that one line is something I remember very clearly. It's just shows that he doesn't care for what people find normal. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about like common tropes or idioms or things or turns of phrase. He will do what he wants because he finds it fun. And I think that's one of the most dangerous kind of people. Oh, without a doubt. For him, normal is something that happens to other people, isn't it? It gets in the way. Yeah. It gets away with all the hallucinations. He, he thinks it's just annoying. And his whole relationship with Batman in this episode, he's like... I actually felt real, like, hatred... Sometimes you get that yin and yang and they they fight because the Joker enjoys it. But I honestly felt that in this episode, the the way he spoke and acted, Batman was nothing more than a nuisance and an aggravation and an annoyance. Whereas in the previous episode, in Christmas with the Joker, he was like a plaything to be trifled with and tested and teased. And is that one of the many aspects of the Joker not ever being consistent being that force of chaos how do you justify that there will always be a part of the Joker that wants to destroy Batman he does, He he will never put a date on it he'll never plan it but he does want it and this was possibly one of the times when he really really wanted to because the force with that kind of chaos sure having like money and gems behind you helps fund whatever next criminal rampage you want to go on but that's not the motivation he does it because he likes destroying things so seeing Batman just stymie him this consistently on what was basically a milk run would annoy someone like that and the way when he had Batman in that uh, airtight canister thing he was very determined to just try and like actually jab at him he never stops mocking him he never stops insulting him or shouting things across the junkyard or across the boats he gets or at least tries to get under Batman's skin so consistently because there's something in him that particular day that really wants to and someone that well to do and up and aware of what they're doing upstairs but with no regard but that kind of anger is scary yeah, really scary. Uh, and what did you think of um, Alfred? And again, this is a moment I've been waiting for this season because this is the debut episode of the wonderful, late lamented, may, may you rest in peace, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. taking over the role from Clive Revel. And instantly, that's the voice that I associate with Alfred. The jibes, the cheeky little jokes the way he he's messing with the most dangerous man on earth and he honestly doesn't care like he's... master bruce i've drawn you a bath and he hands batman a picture of a bath that he drew 
Well, that's because he's very, very British. We do not draw bars in England, we run bars. It's exactly. Oh, I thought that was absolutely classic. He is allowed to make fun of the most dangerous human on Earth because he's the only one who can. Yep. He's the only one who can. I'm... Oh, was it in one of the comics or was it somewhere down the line where he says you can't tell me what to do how did your boss sir I'm the only person who can perfect it's actually from um, Mask of the Phantasm which is uh, the one uh, one of the ones I'm really looking forward to reviewing because that to me is still possibly the ultimate Batman movie yes um, Bruce says to him you think you know everything about me and he says I bloody well ought to I diapered your bottom <laughs> so yep that was Alf, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was Alfred. But Alfred couldn't get a smile out of Bruce at the beginning of this episode and said that he doesn't have a funny bone in his body, but the Joker does get a joke out of Batman. Which is enough of a bit of a um, laxing within Batman of himself to be able to make one later. Oh, I'll, take, I'll take the price of the Ming miles out of your wages. No, I won't. It's a joke. <laughs> April Fool's Day, Alfred. The whole dichotomy, the whole contrast of Batman being this force for order, while the Joker is clearly an untamable force of nature and, and, and chaos. But they seem to bring out the best in each other. And we spoke how in earlier episodes. The debut of Man Bat was a nice surprise for new viewers, as was the debut of Scarecrow. But yet, Batman and the Joker feels like it's been going on for an eternity. I mean, just as soon as he heard people laughing uncontrollably, this is Joker. And it's little touches like that that send shivers down my spine. It's like, are these two destined to fight for all time with never a clear winner in sight or or like you said do you think one day the day will come when Joker just says no enough it's time to end this he'll get tired of the game I know that I believed the Joker when I read Batman Cacophony when he said in the hospital bed no I do want to kill you one day I believe him when he says that Mm. but that's a long way from now I don't think it should ever be a story that should be told and I'm okay with that but I do believe him when he says that there will be a conclusion one day to their great chaotic destructive dance in this episode itself we do really clearly feel that they have known each other for an uncertain length of time because we have seen Batman be taken aback by all of the new supervillains that are cropping up in the other episodes we can really feel the history there. There's yeah, deep. It's really, really deep. And you don't, you'd expect nothing less from a hero's arch nemesis, which is why I think they've made such an effort to like frame him this way. And they've, so that's why they've given him the like grand, heroic, almost swashbuckling sort of Batman going off to deal with this villain to restore order back and peace back to Gotham. We get real clash of two opposite personalities, which is why I think as a hero and villain combo, they are destined to do this forever. And they are arguably the best hero-villain combo, maybe not even just in comics, but 
in fiction as a whole. I mean, I, I can't think of a rivalry greater or more well-known or more iconic than Batman Joke. I mean, Superman Luther is still a little one-sided for me. And even Holmes and Moriarty, Moriarty appeared in a fraction of the Sherlock Holmes books and Holmes came back from the, the death of uh, the Reichenbach fall. I do think that Batman versus Joker is forever. I certainly hope so, at the very least. Uh, it's because they're so different. It's because they're so different. Because with, like you were saying, uh, Holmes and Moriarty, again, even though Moriarty was in maybe three stories mm -hmm. most, the reputation about him is what's made the rivalry yes. so strong. But as characters, they're both very similar. They're both yeah. academics, they're both intellectuals, they both outthink each other. With another, the other one you said, um, Superman Max Luthor, they're a forced opposites, I would say. Not to besmirch the uh, Siegel and Schuster's creations. Mm -hmm. the, um, the driven human, compared to the idealistic alien, is like a very nice and very opposite yeah. bit of tension. They one doesn't understand how he could have this, these kinds of morals and one doesn't understand why he doesn't use their resources for mm -hmm. the betterment of mankind and there will always be tension there but those are very lofty things to try and fight each other with mm -hmm. Batman fights the Joker because the Joker is chaos and destruction and that is unacceptable the Joker fights Batman because he is a force for control that tries to rein them in and that's unacceptable when you get two forces that want to do opposite things, there will be tension there, and mm. neither of them... I don't think either of them are capable of changing. No, I there agree. There have been times when, like, Batman's faith has been shaken, or he's not been physically able, but he'll always come back. And there have been times when the Joker's been, like, sedated to the nines, or locked up in Arkham, or presumed dead an unquestionable number of times. Untold times. But he always comes back because they are such ancient primal forces it's like order and chaos you can't stop that kind of conflict and they're the constants in each other's universe I mean I said this once in an article I wrote for, for Dark Knight News where Batman would love nothing more than never to have to face the Joker again but his strict moral code prohibits him taking that ultimate sanction and taking the Joker's life. Whereas the Joker loves nothing more than torturing Batman. He, he wants Batman in his life forever and ever and ever and ever because this guy's just so much fun. Kill you? No. Um, so even to that extreme, Batman will keep fighting the Joker forever even though he doesn't want to. The Joker loves fighting Batman, but eventually, like you said, he will get to the point where, nah, this isn't fun anymore. But when's that going to come? Never we hope, but it's just fascinating. I mean, you, you could go into the psychology of these two characters forever and ever and ever and only scrape the surface because newer writers will come along, different storytellers will put a new spin on it. Then you get masterful performances like your Heath Ledger and what I'm hearing about Joaquin uh, Phoenix's performance in the new Joker movie again is getting me very excited these are two characters that can be told so many ways they're immortal in a way both of them that's why they've stood the test of time and they've been able to be reframed so many different ways mm. from 
your original uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger to the great angular Dick Sprang smiles to your silver, <laughs> to your silver ages to live action and to the animated series, which is where I still think a lot of people today know them well because you get all sides of the Joker, which hasn't been done very well in other non-comic media. You don't get the force for chaos alongside the clown prince of crime. Yeah. I can't deny that Heath Ledger's performance was Oscar-worthy, but throughout that movie, they refer to uh, that Joker as a terrorist, which is, you know, a domestic terrorist. Yeah. That's totally accurate. But even though it split the readership and the fandom almost down the middle, I deeply appreciate Jared Leto's weird... I wholeheartedly emo, agree. Emo a gangland clown prince of crime. Mm-hmm. But he does things on the dime to build up a prestige and may would need more media to show him doing great acts of chaos and destruction. This is one of the times when we've seen both. We've seen him create, in this one episode alone, create great swathes of destruction and disorder and disarray and chaos for a quick buck to raid some shops basically because when they go and get stuff they definitely go to shop well I think making Joker gas can't be cheap so he's got to get his funding somewhere but what's fascinating with me is four episodes in we've had two Joker stories but they are worlds apart not just in tone and direction and the whole atmosphere of the two episodes but in the way that Mark Hamill actually plays the character I mean like you said we're getting two different jokers that we've possibly taken us 40 50 years to see in comics in the space of four weeks four episodes of an animated show but yet they're both clearly the joker both clearly the same character and is that still one of the best examples of insanity in drama even if it is a kids quote-unquote cartoon show that that, that you've ever seen because it's blown me away seeing it's, it again. It's an abstract insanity. It's what we would expect. It's the foaming at the mouth, shouting at the moon, rocking backwards and forwards in your straight jacket. Uh, early clinical stuff that's frankly not been... Not super realistic, but you don't have to care about that mm. because you see that he doesn't particularly care. I like. I always liked the idea of the fact that the Joker was so insane that he came out the other side again mm. and that's not a phrase I think I've heard anyone or himself say but I feel like that's the most joking thing to say ever I'm so crazy I came out the other side and felt fine mm-hmm. he really just is inscrutable you can't read him you can't get a clear understanding because there have been times when other wackos from Arkham Asylum got better yeah. relief um, even or, temporarily yeah even if temporarily but there was there were times when they went straight but due to his visible insanity he'll never be tried as a criminal and due to his visible insanity they have to keep watching him but there's no clear sign of what kind of insanity he's suffering with is it MPD is it some sort of twisted, accelerated version of ADD where he has to destroy things to get his kicks. There's no way of knowing because it's so unclear, which is why he stood the test of time and so many writers have been able to write him so sincerely 
because it's very hard to mess up pure crazy because he's pure crazy. Yeah. I, I like what you said earlier, actually. Is he so crazy that he's come out the other side? Is it some kind of, rather than insanity, some kind of super sanity? He actually is the only person who sees the world as it truly is and gets it and is reacting accordingly. It, it goes down again to that classic line from um, The Killing Joke where he says that this world is so vile and evil and twisted and cruel that a certain percentage of the population just goes stark slavering bugger. I mean, any other response would be crazy. And is he right? Is he just reacting to this world of ours in the way that actually makes the most sense? I think he's reacting in the way that makes the most sense to him because you get the exact opposite reaction in the exact opposite character we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Because we see one man in a very strange suit, covered in gadgets, deciding that there is a great deal of injustice in the world, but he will not add to the destruction. He will try to ease the pressure and free the streets from criminals that are too dangerous for the police to handle, or the police miss. Batman is another equally valid reaction to how messed up and crazy the world may be. Instead of trying to add to the crazy, you're trying to be a palliative. But seeing them side by side, these two opposite reactions can't work, which is why they're trying to conflict. They're trying to see which version makes the most sense. Yeah, I see that. But what do you think of the whole argument, though, that maybe the Joker is the sane one? And, I mean, you know I love Batman. Batman's my favourite character of all time. I adore him, but... Even I have to admit that what he does isn't quite normal. He dresses up as a bat and fights crime. And there's that classic famous saying that Einstein coined that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way over and over again, expecting a different result. Batman goes out and fights crime. He doesn't end the criminals, doesn't kill the criminals. He puts them away. And sometimes they're just on a rolling door and they come out and he keeps fighting them again and again and again and again. And will he ever get the result he wants? Isn't that even more crazy than what the Joker's doing? But is it because he fights the good cause and fights the good fight that makes it acceptable? And what the Joker's doing, even though, if you look at it, probably makes more sense. The fact that he's doing it and hurting everyone and not caring about the results, what makes it evil? It just shows that there's no clear answer, which is why... Ultimately, this this conflict has lasted so long and is still fascinating. The truth of it, I think, is that maybe you have to be a little bit crazy to go on a crusade like that, mm -hmm. and it won't end because people will still be greedy and people will still be lazy and people will still try to knock over a corner shop instead of trying to make an honest living and people will still try to swindle the rest of the masses as, as they get up higher and higher in politics before eventually agreeing that no maybe we should try and actually like keep to what we're doing which is why Batman's such a good law, uh, force figure he fights things on all levels and that's why the Joker's such a huge threat because he uh, destroys indiscriminately absolutely Batman while you may question what he does at his heart he's probably the ultimate hero because he's the guy who goes out there without the superpowers. Yes, he's got some cool toys. Yes, he's got a ton of money. But every night he goes out there could be his last. And yet he still 
goes out there and that's regardless of how he might be a little bit of a psychotic vigilante he might be fighting a losing battle he's fighting it because no one else will and that's why I think I love the character and always will now is it a coincidence because I didn't realise it until watching this episode again with you that the two Joker episodes are both set on holidays the first being Christmas and this one being April Fool's Day which is the perfect day for the Joker to go on one of his crazy crime sprees is that a a nice coincidence or do you, do you think it's it's clever planning again from the writing and directing team I, I want to joke about it just being <laughs> do the, it do it I want to joke about the fact that eventually the joke is just going to pull off an MG mask and it's just going to be a calendar man <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh anything but that I didn't honestly I honestly didn't quite pick up on that until now that you mention but yeah that's I think it's because it's more shocking for the Joker to attack a place that you would otherwise consider safe, your home, on a day that feels special to you. Even if it's something simple and throwaway and silly as April Fool's Day, you feel more bouncy and calm whenever there's something nice and cheerful in the air. Because it's not just the fact that it's holidays, they're both cheerful holidays. Yeah. They people were excited for Christmas Day on the night on the night before Christmas. People were thinking of practical jokes and bad gags across April first. So subverting that by taking people hostage and helping people lose their minds is scary, which is the other side of the domestic terror thing that the Joker does so well that's why he's still so scary, even though he doesn't look it from visually. Yeah, and speaking of domestic terror, what's a, a, a cleverer way of spreading, spreading, spreading gas throughout the streets of Gotham than on a junk liner on, on the, the Gotham River? Um, slight psychology there of him carrying around tons of garbage to spread his mirth. Or oh, perhaps he's showing what he thinks of Gotham right back to Gotham. Yeah. But bringing, him, bringing himself out of it. Don't worry, there might be trash floating around, but uh, the trash will make you happy because you're trash, but I want you to be happy. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, moments, things that stuck in your head from this episode. The consistency with the... that there was no let-up, honestly. They, there was consistent action, which is what really ties this episode to the previous Joker episode mm -hmm. on Christmas. There was, it was an uphill battle for Batman. It really was because he went from trying to steer the liner away to getting locked up to getting dropped at the bottom of the river to fighting the Joker's very imposing sailor robot mm -hmm. to crushing the to crushing down that robot to like nearly falling into an incinerator and then right at the end he's very literally on top and you see the Joker shrivel and shrink back into his like weedy self oh no you wouldn't hurt me would you you know that like that balance that Batman getting back to the state of peace yeah with him visually on top is where we always end up and so that was a really clear visual way to end the episode absolutely one of my favourite moments from the episode is near the end as well, where 
the Joker is hanging and, and could fall into the incinerator. And Batman's literally holding him there on a bat line. And the Joker says, you, you wouldn't let me know. You wouldn't kill me, would you? And Batman's just there. And it's that shot, that screenshot that launched a thousand memes where it's Batman like, almost with a grin on his face, like saying, I could, and it would be the best thing I ever did, but no, no, because he, I can't, because, he even, he yeah. He does like the chin stroke, yeah. thank you thing. Yeah. And that's been made a meme a million, million times. And I, I didn't realise that this was the episode it came from. And I it was don't classic. I think you're thinking of that gift, though. I think you're thinking of from the Adam West animated series. I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards. But, like, that, I think... No, I've this, seen it with this one. Definitely seen it with this one. They've with this one. That's good. Yeah. But they've even... Even if it wasn't, I'm sure they've used that moment to, to call back to the first one that I was thinking of. Just that I mean quiet contemplation but thinking the worst thing he possibly could but if he entertains a thought it must be for less than a second before he inevitably yeah. reels the Joker back in but then did you feel like I did that there was never any doubt that he would pull the Joker back up he imagines it but he lets himself imagine it because it's an intrusive thought it's something that you think about You, when you see someone in that kind of situation you can't help but just imagine yeah you, you do see it, but that's all that would ever happen. He wouldn't let himself, and he wouldn't let the Joker fall like that. I agree. I agree. Now, let's talk about Captain Clown. Ah, the giant imposing robot. You know he was. You know it's the trouble when Batman punches someone and goes, ah. <laughs> yeah. This is also from the one, from a few times by now when Batman's punched Superman in the face and has pulled the exact same face and made the exact same noise. But still, he went from being a face in... One of the first few shots of the episode, actually, was just a face in the cabin of the boat. Driving the junk boat. Moving the boat up the river, under the like suspension bridge, into him coming out when the Joker finds Batman on the junk trawler, to Batman fighting him, and the robot was very imposing. He was like, at first he's like introduced like an extremely hench henchman. Mm. And then he does things like, wait a second, that's not a henchman, that's that's what the... And then you start hearing the little grinding like Mm -hmm. clockwork machine C-3PO type noises when he moves. You think, hang on, this is a robot. This, This is something new for Joker, but it works. And what I loved... Well, a couple of things. What I loved, obviously, was when Batman finally cracked his his, his clown mask off, and that horrific one-eyed face underneath was just brilliant. I loved that. But also, once Batman drops him into the compactor and crushes him, Joker's rage! Like, he was really, really, like... Mad, you killed Captain. It wasn't even live, it was a robot, but you killed Captain Clown. I thought, this is brilliant. It's just another bit of fuel for the Joker's endless fire and hatred. It's just, how dare you do this? This is something that I probably stole from a Star Lab somewhere. How, why, mm-hmm. would you, why would you break my robot? But then again, that just really re emphasizes the Joker's crazy because when. Batman uh, skates off and then starts to follow the Joker. He follows the Joker 
as Jonas swans into the foundry, sitting on the crushed cube yep. of the robot. Just not... It's like, you killed him. Oh, I don't care. But I'm going to make you feel bad for it. But I don't personally don't care. Because he's just that malicious. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I just think, and again, Kevin Altieri is one of the great Batman animated series directors, just like Boyd Kirkland was on on the previous episode with the Scarecrow. So even though it wasn't quite as gothic and dark as uh, On Leather Wings or Nothing to Fear, it was definitely much more akin to those two episodes than it was in terms of tone and direction than Christmas with the Joker was, because that was, we both said it in the review for that episode, that was quite jarring difference. This one felt more in keeping with the with the other two. Very much so. It was... I think they were able to make the tone lighter for Christmas of the Joker because it was intended to be a Christmas special. Mm-hmm. But we do get the sincere terror that you'd expect yeah. from the Joker attacking the entire city. And rightly so. Absolutely. Well, another strong episode. I mean, I don't think... Um, e- even though Christmas with the Joker came on a little bit out of left field, it was still great fun, but... The other three episodes out of four so far, it's not letting me down. It's not disappointing. Even after many years seeing some of these episodes, I'm really, really... I mean, you sit next to me and, and hear me react, and that must be uh, either really annoying or, or fascinating to you because because <laughs> I do mumble a lot. I, I am very used to it by now of my entire life of watching almost anything. You... You get excited about things, and it's really endearing. But it's like a free DVD commentary. <laughs> and that's okay, because we were still able to get a lot of thoughts out about a strong episode that showed the Joker and Batman doing what they do best, being at odds. Absolutely. So, that brings us to the end of episode four of Batman the Animated Series and episode four of our podcast. So, my co-conspirator, my partner in crime, Adam Ray. Tell the world where we may find you. Well, along with this podcast, you can find me contributing to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. I review many uh, semi-monthly at this point titles for both websites, and Titans has come back with, with a very strong bang, so you can find my reviews for that as well on Dark Knight News. You can also find my writing on our joint venture, our website, fantasticuniverses.com, where I write about various tabletop games, uh, training card games and role-playing games and the like. You can follow me on Twitter at IzzetTinkerer, I-Z-Z-E-T Tinkerer. And you can find me streaming very regularly on Tuesday nights on twitch.tv forward slash noordinaryheroes. As for me... Um, again, I'm editor-in-chief of Dark Knight News and writer, reviewer, interviewer on DC Comics News as well. You can catch this show, the Spinnerack podcast and the DC Comics News podcast on the DC Comics News network, available across every podcast platform, Apple, Google, Stitcher, um, everywhere you find good podcasts and DC Comics News and Dark Knight News available across the internet and every social media platform, Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at DC Comics News at DKNews.com. And as for me, 
Just search Steve J. Ray for links to all those wonderful places. So that's it for another episode. He was Adam Ray. He is the Knight. We are the Knights. This has been the I Am the Knight podcast. And what do our listeners need to do? Read more comics. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.